Regardless of party or political labels, there are amazing examples of real-life success stories happening across America. Local leaders are showing how to solve problems in healthcare, education, and other issues Washington just can't fix. Experience those stories in the new book, Falling in Love with America Again, by Jim DeMint and the Heritage Foundation. Get it today at inlovewithamerica.com. That's inlovewithamerica.com. So what is happening with the case? What does it mean for Americans more broadly? Let's ask Molly Hemingway, editor at thefederalist.com. Molly, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time. It's great to be here. So uh, from what I've heard, and this is all, you know, interwebs and and people's opinion, but apparently the people representing the Holly Lobby are happy with how things went in the Supreme Court today. Yeah, it sounded like things went pretty well. The government had a difficult case to prove. And it sounds like they didn't do a terribly good job of attempting to do it. So, what, as a as a layperson and journalist who's covering the story, what made you what makes the government's case most difficult in your opinion? Well, the, and the, you're totally right that the media have done a really poor job of ever understanding that this was a religious liberty case. I mean, for years they were stuck on the idea that this was all about contraception, when right. that's not really. What the, what the nature of the case is about. But under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which was passed by both houses of Congress overwhelmingly, in one case unanimously, signed by Bill Clinton, you know, it's not a very contentious piece of legislation, right. overwhelmingly popular. Uh, the government had to show that if they're going to restrict someone's religious liberty, they have to have a very compelling interest, and they have to be using the least restrictive means possible. And given, as I was just hearing uh, from your interview previously, given that they provided exemptions to all sorts of people, grandfathered plans, you know, right. anybody that had a political connection with the Obama team. I mean, there were millions <laughs> upon millions. They, they gave all, not, all corporations that are of a religious nature that are nonprofit. They all got uh, some type of exemption. Anybody who owns a business with 50 or fewer employees, they got an exemption. So there were exemptions left and right, not to mention that the law itself hasn't really been implemented for a variety of political reasons. The idea that they couldn't provide an exemption just to these people, that's a difficult thing to say. And then also there are so many different ways you could provide the same quote-unquote benefit uh, through alternate means that that was another difficult barrier that they would have to overcome. And, and that is the point here, and this is what's driving me crazy, is listening to the media as the New York Times reported, the Supreme Court will hear arguments in a case that pits religious liberty against women's rights. There was never a women's right, the, the, the right to buy contraception, the right to use contraception, the right to hook up however one chooses, had nothing to do with this case. The only question was, do you have the right as a uh, company run by devoutly religious people to decline to pay for someone's contraception? And the, uh, the fact that most people, the casual observers, Molly, looking at this case, you know, who get their news from Jon Stewart, they think that this is about women being dragged away from their IUDs is disturbing and embarrassing. Well, it also, I think one thing that nobody has really talked about in the media or elsewhere is uh, just an acknowledgement of the free market. Now, it is true that Hobby Lobby already has paid for contraception for its employees. Uh, they just object to the four that terminate life after it begins. Right. Okay, so that's just four of the 20 that you're required to under this huge government Obamacare plan. But beyond that, let's say you really do have a problem. This idea that you're locked into employment with one company and that you could never move is just a complete denial of what a free market looks like and what its benefits include, which is the freedom to move to a different company that matches your values more closely. 
and uh, the freedom to run your company the way you want to and the freedom as a customer to choose to work with you. I, I love all this freedom stuff, but as you know, Molly, uh, that we are not in a moment of freedom here in the United States. Right. We're in no moment of government direction. What do you say to people who say, the only reason they were talking about this is Republican war on women, and those Republican judges are going to war on women with the Holly Lobby, Holly, Holly Hobby case, Holly Hobby Lobby well, case, excuse me. You know, for one thing, one one of the things that offends me about that is this idea that women are all opposed to religious liberty. In right. fact, women tend to be religious. A lot of women tend to be religious. We value religious liberty. We think we are thankful that we live in a country that values it, and we understand that you know religious liberty, extending religious liberty to people as we do in our First Amendment of our Constitution, means that there will occasionally be conflicts with other things. But the other thing is this idea, like the whole subtext of the whole thing, is that in this Obamacare mandate, is that in order to be equally valued to men, you basically have to keep your womb empty for decades at a time. And there's something really denigrating about that, like you're not fully valuable in society unless you're you're not pregnant. I mean, it's almost like this obsession (laughs) with contraception that I don't think it really gets at the fullness of what being a woman is about and what makes us special. Uh, I also think this obsession with people's nether regions uh, when it comes to saying, you know, for some reason, look, for example, in Massachusetts right now where I live, it's illegal for me in some towns to buy a bottle of water. It's illegal for me to use a plastic shopping bag. They clearly have no problem regulating my whole body. You know what I'm saying? As from top, Don't drink that water. Don't put your Chinese food in there. But oh, when it comes to than... regulating nether regions, it's like all of a sudden the same big government regulators go, oh, no, no, that's verboten. Stay away. Well, my favorite thing about this is the um, the hashtag that Planned Parenthood was using was not my boss's business. Right. It's like, wait, you're saying that someone <laughs> has to pay for my birth control, but that it's not my boss's business? Exactly. It, I, I actually totally agree that it's not your boss's business, mm-hmm. which is why I think that it's wrong for the federal government to tell individual employers what they must cover. I mean, I totally agree with that. I think that's right. a complete violation of liberty and that these things should be managed voluntarily. But the, using that hashtag as an argument in favor of restricting liberty and forcing mm-hmm. people at gunpoint, basically, to do something that they don't want to, that violates their deeply held beliefs, I mean, that's just weird. And you you mentioned uh, some of the uh, legal issues in the sense that when you go, thanks to the uh, rest, the Religious Freedom, uh, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, if I'm an employer and I go to the courts, I say, "Look, there's some really easy ways to solve this problem besides me paying for her birth control. This, that that's what governs our treatment of religious liberty." I don't see how in the world the Obama administration wins that argument, given that people have been managing to birth control themselves for decades without necessarily having any uh, business, corporate or employer involvement. Right, right. If you use the baseline of whenever the, you know, this Obamacare was passed just a few years ago, right. and it wasn't even congressionally mandated. That's I think right. this is an important thing. Congress told HHS to come up with some stuff for preventive care, and they had this sort of packed panel that was full of, you know, big birth control fans sure. um, who came up with this regulation, but it didn't come from Congress. It came from the massive HHS state. And deciding that that is now the most fundamental thing in the whole land that even supersedes religious liberty. I mean, that's just... It's, it's, again, you know, a confusion about what is right. negative liberty and what is positive liberty and what's most important in a free country. But I also think it speaks to how the bigger government gets, the more we have these types of conflicts. 
this is a government-caused conflict between, you know, that's mm-hmm. causing conflicts between free people because it's restricting liberty. And so the bigger government gets, the more we're going to see cases like this. And there was no problem before. This, of course, is the other ironic part that uh, employers who had concerns about contraception would tell employees, look, if you work here, this is what we pay for. Many of the, and this is what we don't. Many of those employers went out of their way to say, here are other your plans, or we even have a plan where we pay for this and for an extra nine bucks a month, you, you can pay for that. And we'll even take it out of your check for you. I mean, it's the notion that these employers wanted these women, you know, barefoot and pregnant and locked in a you know, sewing room somewhere well, and, was and just actually, nonsense. Yeah, I would say more than that. You know, it's so much more expensive to pay, as Hobby Lobby does, for, for maternity care right. than it is to pay to keep people barren. And so the idea that this is somehow restrictive, I mean, as a, as a woman who works, I would so right. much rather have someone covering the very expensive costs related to maternity, um, to actually giving birth to a child, than I would, you know, valuing me only if sure. I don't have any children. Uh, no, that you make another great point, and uh, if the if the decisions decide with liberty, then we see where this is going to go. Uh, some of the speculation I've already heard is that there's not going to be much of a debate about standing, which was one of the arguments that the Obama was making. This doesn't even affect you, they said to the company they were ordering it to yeah. affect. I think they're going to lose that, uh, uh, and then they, they uh, might they might lose that unanimously. But it, it sounds like at worst they. I mean, the government loses that argument right, sure. unanimously. So then the question is, seven justices are how do, what, what do you think the final outcome is uh, as a Supreme Court handicapper? And there's no wagering going on, Molly. I want you to know oh. that. No wagering that I know of. How would you handicap the way this case looks right now? It's a, it's a horrible thing to ask me because I'm the most pessimistic person out there. Right. But I think that if I were to be truly realistic, it pro- Hobby Lobby probably wins 5-4. But, you know, I just haven't been able to predict this court that they're so inconsistent sure. that it's kind of hard to know. Well, that Obamacare ruling was such a fiasco. <laughs> it's gonna, seriously, it's going to go down in here in history with the uh, uh, Roe versus Wade as one of those worst of worst rulings. Yeah, it was clearly designed to appeal based on politics. We have to stop you right there. Molly Hemingway, thank you so much for your time. And thank you for joining us from the Federalist.com. We are happy to have you.